Okay, one of the guys, we'll, we'll point to who they are, um, youth pastor, I think it is. He says that um, you can believe in God and you can believe in science. So what's wrong with that statement? Uh, that's Rob, this is Rob speaking. Uh, that science and religion are like opposites. Like science is pretty much debunking religion. Not intentionally, but it proves that it's wrong. So what do you think? Bill T. Yeah. Um, religion is kind of the opposite of science. Hmm, that's a, okay. I, I, but I am getting at one specific thing here uh, uh, that's wrong. What, uh, Terrence, what do you think is wrong with that statement? He, as he tries to swallow his banana and corn pops quickly um with the statement that science is the opposite of religion oh no no he says that you can believe in science oh. and you can believe in god well you don't believe in science it's, it's a fact they've proven it that's why it's science you can't really make up science bingo you win you win yes that's exactly it i mean you guys are right so you're not wrong, but that's, a, that's what I was trying to get at is that there is no believing in science. You, you don't believe in science. That's just not something that you do. You believe in God. Yes, but you don't believe in science. Science is something you have to work real hard and your brain gets tired after working really hard at it. You know, it's uh, something you have to work hard at. Uh, he, he actually acknowledged that in one of his posts. So, uh, all right, very good, guys. Hey, Patrick Z here. I've been thinking about your monkey or ape and God analogy. I don't like it. I think to equate an ape or a monkey with a human being is an absolute insult to the ape. And well, to equate us in any way, shape, or form with God is just delusional. Now I'm glad you've stopped horsing around and going back to the work at hand. All right, so you're supposed to do these things in a form of a question, right? All right, what do you have against apes? Hey guys, uh, have you heard Bobby stuff? Bobby? Yeah, about Lighthouse refl Reflections. No. No. You haven't heard his stuff? It's cool. I, he almost reminds me of like my pastor when I was young. I don't know if he's a pastor or if he's even a, a Christian. I have no idea. But, um, but I don't know. I think uh, we all need somebody like Bobby in our life as a guy. I'll, I'll, I'll let you listen to him, but... Um, yeah, he's a cool guy. Hi, Bobby at Z, and I'm calling in for no other reason but to say hi and thank you for wishing me a glorious day. What's going on? It's Kel. This is from Unfiltered Love Radio. How's it going? Science and religion. 
What a topic. And it's a big thing to unpack. And I'm so happy that you're unpacking and letting people voice what's going on. But as a, well, I used to be a researcher. I'm not really research much anymore. But as a researcher and also as a pastor, I really think that we kind of, you kind of get it all, people get it all mixed up and confused. It's like if you have a kid and you have an offspring, God is like the father of all things. So, I mean, it's just one of those things. Um, it just is what it is. It's just a different hat that we're wearing. Science is not proven. Everything is a theory. Theories are not constantly proven. Theories are constantly changed. The only constant in the world is change. So when we kind of deal with that and divulge in that, then you understand something. Well, religion as a whole, eh, we won't talk about that. I'm not a big fan of religion itself, but I'm a fan of some of the principles behind it. And there is a God. Hi, Unfiltered Radio. This is Z. You called to make a statement that there is a God. Now, if you were to call my station and say, I believe in God and I put my faith in God, there would be no argument. I would fight for your right to believe. But when you make a statement that there is a God and then offer no proof then all you're being is an authoritative asshole. And I use the term asshole very respectfully. If you listen to today's show carefully, my children will explain this to you very succinctly. A wise believer doesn't claim to have proof, only faith. The spiritual camp does not get to steal the words and the meanings of the scientific camp. You don't get away with not studying quantum physics and mathematics and then connect the findings of those sciences to your philosophy of God. You don't just get to say the word theory and the word just. There is no such thing as just a theory. Theories are facts. God is not a fact, nor is God a theory. God is a hypothesis and an idea. And if you have faith and belief in that idea, there is no argument. It might be a bad idea, but your belief and faith in that idea cannot be argued. No more than I can argue with you if you liked chocolate ice cream, when we all know that vanilla ice cream is better. So I'll ask you the question that my dad always asks, which God? I'll ask you the first cause argument, who created God? And of course, my favorite retort, your assumption that I don't believe in God may be flawed. I didn't say I didn't believe in the existence of God. All I'm saying is I don't believe in her. Now, if you actually have some sort of proof, I would love to hear it. But if you have no proof, you'll have to huddle with all the others that believe and have faith and trust in the same thing that you have. 
revel in that because the frustration of running around and simply stating that something exists without any evidence is much like the little boy who cries wolf. You're not saying anything that's true and you're not saying anything that's helpful. I feel like this self-disenfranchisement is fatal to society, to civilization. That's why I'm posting this segment. I think it's important. Yes, you can blow this off as the same old drivel. But I, I agree with Randy that I think people mean well. We have to help them to accomplish their goal. Working hard to understand is the key. I'm not criticizing your belief. I'm criticizing your understanding and your ability to understand. Recognizing the flaws in your thinking are vital. You have to acknowledge the problem before you can fix the problem, before you can improve, before you can move on, before you can progress. And if you really love God, then for God's sake, come up with a better argument for the existence and proof of God. This is what I would call a dangerous waste of time. If I don't understand you, I'm going to hell, right? Well, I contend if you don't understand me that every man, woman, and child is going to get wiped off the face of the planet. Integrity Radio. Hey, Sentient Future, thank you for your response. I was looking forward to it. Um, okay, here we go. Um, I did leave a call in, uh, but just in case uh, we don't get around to that, uh, I'm just going to sort of re, um, reiterate. Okay, the term soul is nearly non-subjective at this point. Okay, in fact, you are objectifying the term soul for your own purposes. You're you're openly hijacking the words willpower, uh, empathy, tenacity, work, inspiration. <laughs> You're hijacking those words. And now, as being things connected to your version of soul. Now, I don't think you understand how insulting it is when you hear... Uh, Without the concept of soul, you can't take you can't be taken seriously. I mean, do you see the insult there? You're saying that if I don't connect these concepts of empathy and tenacity and work and willpower, and I don't connect them to these concepts of soul, that I can't take them seriously. Really? So you think the whole mind and soul thing is a very useful construct, really? I mean, are, is this a new thing? Do you really think this is a new thing? Okay, and even if you don't think it's a new thing and you're somewhat educated in this, history would prove otherwise. Yes, this connection of soul and creating this whole mind and body, soul ambiguity, history would prove otherwise. So if you're going to go against history here, where's your proof that this construct of mind and soul is important for us in understanding? I say just the opposite. 
And you're really casting a huge net when you say um, that the concept or idea of a mind or soul is inspiring. Really, this ancient, old-ass concept of a soul or a mind is inspiring to you? Are you not paying attention? So what's going on here? No, emotion and morality and appreciation. Well, maybe not gratitude. Gratitude is a very soul kind of uh, cliche, um, spiritual cliche rather. Listen, morality and appreciation are not words you get to hijack as being connected to your version of soul. This is intellectually very disingenuous. I tripped over my tongue here, so again, you do not get to hijack these words as being connected to your version of soul. This is intellectually disingenuous. There it goes. And since I have enough time here, let me say to all of you folks out there that like to, um, I don't know, use your science degree or background as some sort of weight, um, in this debate. The real question is, are you a scientist that utilizes critical thinking? Are you a scientist that uses the skeptical method? You know, the methods that created science to begin with. All right, sentient future, thank you for calling in and I look forward to hearing your response. Integrity Radio. Forget it, okay. I had, there's one thing worse than someone, in, someone not agreeing with you, your philosophy or your view of life or whatever. There's, there's only one thing worse than somebody disagreeing with you. Do you know what that is? One thing, well, I don't. You, you, you're uh, it, giving me a loaded question I, here. It is a loaded question. <laughs> and it's, and it's a riddle. It's not, even, it's not even a question. Disagrees. It's a yeah. riddle. It's a riddle. What's what's worse than someone disagreeing with you? Um, someone indifferent to you. Oh, that's good, but that's not the fulfillment of the riddle. <laughs> I'll give it to you just so I don't forget. <laughs> okay. Um, someone believing you. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Integrity Radio. I appreciate the rebuttal. Let's clear a few things up. I don't personally believe in a soul or a mind, only physiology as defined by science. And I didn't say believing in a soul was necessary to take morality or purpose seriously. Both of us take them seriously and we don't believe in a soul. I only meant to say that for those who don't take their life or their purpose seriously, that the idea of a core or identity can inspire them to do so. The names I've used for the categories of the aspects of ourself are inconsequential, and I encourage listeners to look at it that way. I encourage intentional living, which is inherently evidence-based and involves critical thinking. I encourage measurement of ourselves and the world around us. It is inherently a scientific approach to life. For the record, I don't teach intentional living for the money. My purpose is to unlock more time for others than I spend during my life. That's it. I apologize if I offended you. I believe you are a good man. I love and respect you for that. I wish you every happiness and success. Again, thank you, Sentient future for calling in and uh, batting it back and forth with me and no I would never be offended by uh, words only actions only physical actions to me the human 
is more important than the idea. But uh, as long as we can agree on that, then we can bash the ideas back and forth at will. Um, I think we're all here with the intention of making each other's lives better, with sharing and hopefully uh, making each other's lives better. There's an old saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And also, no good deed goes unpunished. Now, I'm not asking you to accept these axioms or paradigms. <laughs> they are just personal observations. I think if you really are trying to achieve what we are all trying to achieve, then we all need to take responsibility to, to help each other to not stray onto the road of mere intention. Not one of our perspectives hold the answer. I merely contend that these old paradigms that you refer to are outdated, outmoded, and useless. And if there is any value in using the, this terminology, then the proof needs to be brought to the table. I do hope that you sense that the appreciation is mutual. The fact that you are continuing your conversation with me certainly impresses upon me your level of integrity. And I can do nothing but appreciate that. So big love, big respect. Integrity Radio. I made this analogy with the kids and uh, we didn't get to record it, so I think I'll repeat it again. Um, science is like a line. Yeah, think of the first caveman that drew the first line with a stick in the dirt. And that was the first line. And then over time, the line got more refined. He got a stick and measured the line out. It wasn't a perfect line, but it was better than the first line. Then he found, or even made, a flat stick. And the line got even more refined. Then he found something even better to draw with. And that line got even more refined. And each time that line got refined, it didn't discount or disqualify the first line. See, that's kind of how science is. You know, they come up with theories, and then the theories aren't disproven. Theories are simply refined. You see, this is the scientific approach. It's part of the scientific approach. That and, you know, peer review, repeated experiments. All right, if you're standing, you might want to sit down for this. Because with all this talk of a line, with all the things we have done with the line, with all the technology and the advancements that came about with our refinement of the line. The line does not exist in nature. All lines are just segments of a great arc. 
Now, when you free your mind enough to be able to think and comprehend in this manner, I think it's so much more fascinating. And I don't feel as if there's such a blurred line between ideas or ideals and function. You know, a lot of metaphors and correlations are made regarding energy. And energy really is fascinating and wonderful, but we actually know a lot about it. So this next video is about energy. What is energy? Energy is the ability to do work, the ability to cause motion and change. To understand the fundamental facts of energy, you must have a working knowledge of its terminology. From atoms down to x-rays, sing along and learn with me the ABCs and XYZs of energy. What kinds of energy are there? There's nuclear, mechanical, and solar energy, and electrical, and chemical, and radiant, and heat. There's light and there's magnetic, and that's quite enough for me, cause that makes nine different kinds of energy. With the discovery of atomic energy, scientists have found that matter can be changed into energy, and energy can be changed into matter. But even though matter and energy may change their forms, the total amount in the universe remains the same. The law of conservation, speaking universally, says you can't increase or decrease the amount of energy. Though energy may change its form and does it constantly, you can't increase or decrease the quantity. change its form and does it constantly you can't increase or decrease the quantity do we really need to complexify our emotions do we really need to hijack the words and the discoveries of science and claim them as our own spiritual work? Do we still need to honor the road of good intentions? I want to just the audience to slow down for a minute to hear the philosophy, not only the philosophy, the psychology, the way of life that you're talking about because you're relying on the ability as a self-totally created unit. I'd like to speak to you a moment about the domes because the domes seem to be a very important part of at least your publicity or the for the, what goes before you. Um, what brought about the construction of the geodesic dome and its importance to you? Well, I told you that I had committed myself to solving problems with artifacts and not by mm -hmm. social reforms or religious <coughs> rules. Mm -hmm. And so the one of the commitments then was to employ the most advanced science that was only going into weaponry <coughs> and to prior to the home front to see if we couldn't do so much with so little in the 
environment of the of the life that uh, you might be able to take care of everyone and that did end up in, in the geodesic structures which do do vastly more in the way of environment control than any other form of structure in the universe in fact it's such an important form that you find the protein shell of all the viruses with the DNA RNA control of life are inside geodesic spheres mm -hmm. as a protein shell so nature is using this most for the most precious information control is using the, the geodesic. I didn't know that. I built a great many geodesic domes. They've been photographed, published a lot. And when I heard from a great scientist in England, Dr. Klug, who was at the Birkbeck College in London University, and he wrote me about having read and seen pictures of the geodesics, and he said he was investigating with, X, with the X-ray diffraction the protein shells of the viruses while these other people were going on with their discovering the, the DNA, RNA, and so forth. And he said that the mathematics of the X-ray diffraction photographs indicated they had some kind of nodes that were similar in their arrangement to geodesic domes. So I was able to send them, send him the, the, the numbers of the nodes would always be what they call frequency of modular subdivision of the total system to the second power times 10 plus the number 2. About five years later, the virologists had a world meeting in, in uh, America at, uh, on Long Island, and they published the front page of the New York Times the fact that my formula had explained the protein shells of all the viruses. But the point was I had found it mathematically how to structure, the, do the most of the least, and so it came out pure, pure logic that nature was also using the same thing, because I found it mathematically. Nature had the mathematics itself. Anyway... Well, I'm always learning new words in reference to what I'm trying to explain and understand even more. And ephemeralization, there's the word for you. Ephemeral, ephemeralization has to do with doing more with less. Now, of course, I didn't come up with this idea, nor did Buckminster Fuller, but he really did elaborate on the concept. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do here on Integrity Radio. But um, here, check out this next, next clip. It might help you to understand a little better. Buckminster Fuller was a great storyteller. His stories were really myths. A myth is a story that has a profound meaning, but all of the details in the story aren't necessarily true. I heard him tell this story about bridges the very first time I ever heard him speak, and it changed the way I think about the world for the rest of my life. Bucky was standing in front of a blackboard, and he drew a U shape. This is a canyon, he said. There were people living on each side who needed to communicate and trade, but they couldn't get across. So they tried to figure out what they could do, and some of them started to dig up rocks and throw them into the canyon. Eventually, the canyon completely filled up with rocks and it became the first bridge. The amazing thing about it was is that it took millions of tons of stone and it took years and years to build and all these tons of stone were used just to hold up a few hundred and fifty pound people carrying something on their back to get across. But it enormously increased wealth because they could trade. But they discovered that there was a problem. There was a stream at the bottom and the stream water was building up on the back end and causing a problem. So a few brave souls climbed down into the canyon 
and they knocked a few stones out at the very bottom and some of the water could get through. They made a bigger hole and then a bunch of the rocks collapsed and the hole disappeared. So they did it again. And they kept doing it until they began to discover that when the hole was a certain shape, it didn't fall back down. And they had discovered the arch. The key to an arch is its shape. An arch is actually not a thing, it's a hole of a certain shape. As they, they learned about what made better arches, what shape was absolutely best for keeping all those stones and, and the people on top of the bridge from falling into the earth, resisting gravity, they learned how to shape the arch in just the right way, and the arch kept getting bigger and bigger. They were learning to do more with less. But there was a problem, because it turns out that there is an absolute limit to the amount of weight that stones can hold up. And so in a given size canyon, there was a limit to how big the arch could be. So once they got to a certain point, progress seemed to stop. But about the same time, there were people learning about iron. They were learning that they could dig up certain kinds of rocks that had iron in them. They could crush those rocks and separate the iron and melt it down and make it into different shapes. And if they made the iron into tubes and arranged the tubes into triangular forms, they could hold up things as well or even better than stone could, and with a lot less mass, a lot less material. So what they did was they replaced the stone above the arch with a triangular truss of iron tubes. And now even more of the mass was eliminated because there was no stone left in the bridge. There was only iron tubes with big spaces in between the tubes. Eventually someone asked, what would happen if you lifted the arch up above the canyon completely and had the road underneath the arch instead of on top of it? So they made an arch out of iron and they made an iron truss between the arch and the road and they put it over the canyon and it worked perfectly. As people learned to make more and more effective trusses and learned to make pure iron tubes, the amount of iron necessary to span a certain size canyon kept going down. About that time, there were also people learning about other metals and how you could make alloys by mixing metals. And when you did that, you could get more strength out of even less materials. And steel was invented. And people understood that steel had a characteristic that iron didn't have. It was good not just for compression, it was better for pulling things together. So you could make rope or cable out of steel. Eventually, people discovered that, wait, maybe you didn't need this iron arch at all. Maybe we could just take the steel cables, we could build two posts, put one at each side of the canyon, and drape steel cables over the posts. And when you did that, you have actually an inverted arch, an upside down arch. You could take smaller cables and attach them to the big cable and hang them, drop them down, and hang the roadway from the cables. So now you have a bridge where the only compression members, the only function being performed by iron or rock is two posts, one at either side. And the rest of it is all wires, flexible, bendable, movable wires. As science and engineering discovered more about molecular strengths and characteristics and how atoms were arranged in molecules in different kinds, of different kinds of metals and in different kinds of mixed metals or alloys, the wires were able to get thinner and thinner and yet stronger and stronger.
So the amazing thing is that over time, bridges have gotten longer and longer and longer over bigger rivers, over bigger bodies of water, over bigger canyons. And yet, as they've gotten longer, they've gotten stronger. And the amount of mass, the amount of materials needed to make that bridge per unit length and per unit strength have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. This is the principle of demass. So Bucky told this story, and then he would stop in front of the blackboard. And he would say, there's no reason why we can't continue this doing more with less until we've eliminated the wires altogether. We don't need anything to hold up the bridge. And there was a silence, and then everyone laughed. And then he looked up into the sky, and he waved his arms around, and he said, look, I wave my arms between the earth and the moon, and the moon doesn't fall into the earth. The moon and the earth are in a perfect tension compression balance and there is an invisible tether between the earth and the moon and they don't need a mass of materials to keep them in a wonderful structural arrangement. So the principle of demass, the principle of producing much, much more useful benefit with much less resources is evident in the bridge industry and it's evident in the computer industry because we're all used to saying that computers getting smaller and smaller but getting more and more powerful and using less and less energy and resources. But uh, most of society is really still organized much like the stone bridge with a little hole at the bottom. We are using millions and millions of tons of resources for things which we don't need to use them for. We still build houses the same way we did a hundred years ago, even though our knowledge of materials and resources and being able to design integrated systems that would use a fraction of the materials and a fraction of the energy and a fraction of the water, that we have that knowledge. DMAS is about learning to apply these principles of mimicking the way nature solves problems and applying them to all aspects of our lives in order to reduce the total amount of mass that is invested in producing the wealth and the progress that we all want and to being able to take care of ourselves and the entire population of the planet on a sustainable basis. Luna has become very concerned about something. Let's go see. an eye on, these, on things out here. I'm going to go see what, what Bill T is doing. What was going on in there, Luna? Yep. 
Man, it is so good for kids to be involved in music. It just works on so many levels of their brain and their psyche. And when we're talking music, I don't even mind using the term soul. That's right. If you want to talk about developing your soul to me, then you better be talking about playing music or some sort of art. If you're going to start talking soul, then you better be able to make it funky. Because you know how it is. Whatever it is, it's got to be funky. All right, I'm talking to my Wing Chun guys and gals right now. Do you see what we can do here with Chum Cute? Chum Cute. I know you're familiar with Chum Cute as a form, but do you see the profoundness, the building of the bridges? the destroying of certain bridges giving people the option to cross the bridges that you create people giving us options to cross the bridges that they create building strong trustworthy bridges abandoning weak bridges altogether do you see how this applies to life not just in combat and hand-to-hand combat but in daily living chum cue in your communication coming from the foundation of siung dao all expressed in the beauty of ving chum or spring flower or beautiful flower you know we're gonna get together and do a little mini seminar in Maui next week I really hope you guys pay close attention to the conversations we've been having here go back to the episodes go back to the podcasts bust out some paper and take some notes trust me A lot of this stuff that was created on Anchor needed notes. So you're most certainly going to need some notes while you're listening. Now also understand that this also correlates to physical technique. So don't be misled into thinking this is all philosophy and mere talk. What I have been sharing on Anchor is pure Wing Chun. Remember, we're all trying to get to that next level. If you don't remember how we've all agreed to get to the next level, then check out the website, www.sifuzi.com. You know that. And uh, read the section on endorsed instructors and uh, how to get endorsed. See you in Maui. Integrity Radio. Okay, Z, I am 
carefully listening to every single segment. This last one, okay, specifically about ice cream. Now you're talking about preferences versus ideas. And I believe, or hmm, maybe I prefer, hmm, I enjoy a healthy discussion on my beliefs. Uh, because one of the reasons that I have the faith that I do, and it is faith, it's not proven, uh, the reason that I have it is because I've looked at the evidence and I have come to that conclusion myself, the circumstantial evidence. Um, but I don't believe in being a blind, bumbling idiot either. Hi, WB, WP Barista. It's WordPress. <laughs> yeah, WordPress. I'm assuming that's WordPress Barista. I think it is. Yeah. Um, it's Z and Ronnie. <laughs> and the symbol in the background. Ooh, it's a symbol. <laughs> um, so, listen, I don't think anyone in America has escaped the indoctrination of Christianity. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a few of... Or Canada. Or Canada, right? And so, um, or, you know, <laughs> lots of parts of the world, right? And where, do you, where, where can you go in the world where Christian indoctrination has not um, done its thing? You know, it's pretty much everywhere. Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah, so... so maybe, maybe some of the, the uh, China or Japan, maybe a little less so. Perhaps they have their own yeah. religions, but even they, yeah, there's a, a or India, yeah. perhaps, yeah, maybe speaking only Christianity. But yeah. the point is, religious indoctrination, yeah, or yeah, and certainly here, and you know, certainly in a developed country, Christianity, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yes, we're not the least bit foreign to um, the indoctrination of Christianity, um. And this indoctrination has caused some damage in the form of confusion. And I think that... Um, purposely done damage. Oh, yes, yes, purposely. And, okay, for example, the title of your um, segment, your call-in, was called Reasoned Faith, I believe. Um, and, well... That, that title expresses confusion alone just because the two words don't really coincide together. Um, for instance, reason. Would you read the, the uh, you know, definition for reason? Yeah. The power of the mind to think, understand, and form judgments by a process of logic. Yes, by a process of logic. Okay, now, that's just the definition of reason. So we're not going to get too deep here or philosophical. Let's just work on the definition and what those words mean. Now, faith. Faith is the strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. So, reason 
deals with logic and, and proof. And faith deals with, well, apprehension uh, rather than proof. So just the dictionary terms alone um, sort of teach us something very important here. Don't you think? Oh, I think so. The two words, well, certainly the two words don't, uh, can't, can't be stated in the same sentence together. They just don't go together. Yeah. I mean, unless you're trying to create a, a, a title and troll people's, you know, <laughs> troll people or something. But I'm no, sure that's not, that that's not what she's doing. The misunderstanding, but yeah, yeah. it's, it, well, it, it just points to how confusing or how much confusion religion causes. Yes, and even spirituality. A lot of people want to um, separate spirituality from religion, but you couldn't have their uh, exclusive to one another. Or you see what I'm saying? You can't have one without the other. It, there's no such thing as a non non spiritual religion or uh, a religion without spirituality. That uh, um, yeah, come on. I mean, who are we trying to fool? Uh, for just kind of taking the words on their meaning, their their definition meaning. Right. You know, a lot of times in these cases, all I really like to do is pull out a, 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 a what do you call these? A dictionary. dictionary. Thank you. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, just start examining the words that we're using and think about them. Thanks for calling. Thank you.
You know, I hope people don't think that we're trying to offend them. I, yeah, I would hope they don't. I don't, I don't think we're speaking offensively. No, I don't think so. to things even when people are not meaning to be offensive. Yeah. Times when they so deeply believe in something and you question it, that is simply taken as offensive. Yeah, yeah. I think something that we said at the dinner table today that we saw plastered on the wall of that shop. You're entitled to your own opinions, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Yeah, that's a good one. people see how they're being taken advantage of by this way of thinking. And I think they're even almost offended. But then how come they don't see how offended we are by how they assume that we're missing out? You know, like we're missing, we're def de we're, we have a deficit because we don't believe in the same God or well, whatever. I think, I think their belief is so strong and they've been taught <clears throat> to believe in this mystical creature who's going to take care of them that maybe they feel like we're missing out in some way. I don't know. You know, we need to be strong and we need to support one another. We need to put our faith and trust in the human, in human beings, you know. I stop myself from saying the human spirit. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to confuse the matter. The human essence. Yeah. <laughs> essence. The, the human ether. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, we're not, and another thing, people always think that, like, you know, we're sitting here as if we have all the answers. We just are 
providing whatever proof or evidence. I I, I would hope. I would hope I, that I think we're trying to find the real answers. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would hope that we're not portraying um, just blind opinion, you know, or, or emotion, you know. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I do know this. I thank you, my fine listener. We'll see you on the other side. Good night. Integrity Radio.